So if you are fourth grade and under, head that way. After our service, if you're new here and you don't know what's going on and there's a mad dash, um, actually I'm surprised there's not more adults that are getting out of their seats and running that way too. But um, if you need an excuse to help with kids crew, this is your chance. So I won't even know. Um, thank you for staying. <laughs> But if you, are, if you are new here and you wonder what's going on, where these kids are going, they're going upstairs into the kids' crew area, the kids' area, and then after our service, you can go up there and retrieve them. Our, our crew is, a, is doing a really great job of leading on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, on, and it's been really cool to be a part of that, to be behind the scenes, seeing all of the work that goes into that. Uh, our volunteers are doing a tremendous job, and really, I am very thankful for them. And what's really cool is that the kids enjoy it. The kids are having a great time. Uh, they're excited. Uh, they, uh, my kids bring me pictures, and it's really cool. So thank you all um, for allowing us to lead uh, your kids and students uh, to a uh, closer walk with, with Christ. Uh, I am I'm humbled. I also am very thankful for the love that we received this last month for Pastor Appreciation Month. It's okay to still appreciate us, okay? We really do. Uh, we do take all of the, the thank yous and the, the kind words that you give us. Uh, you, have, you really have blessed us uh, more than we could deserve and more than I ever imagined. So thank you for that. Um, we had a great last week uh, with our fall festival we're just really seeing some cool things, and you are all a part of that through your prayers, through your support, through your volunteering. And I just, I just thank you. It's just really cool to have uh, the kind of church that wants to see our children and our young adults thrive and grow. And that is a, that's a big deal. There are, there are a lot of, of students and a lot of children in our community and I really am convinced that a church that is healthy and thriving, a church that is growing, I, I really think that it impacts way more than just these walls. And I see it, and I appreciate that. So if you have your Bibles, uh, we're going to continue on in the book of Romans. This, uh, this morning we're going to be in Romans 15, 1 through 7. I am always amazed... Um, at how weak I'm becoming as, an, as I grow older, because my mind tells me that I'm still pretty fast, I'm, I'm pretty strong, um, but then I wake up the next morning after lifting something that seems pretty simple, and I realize that that was a bad, bad idea. Uh, it's even gotten to the point now where I go to football games and stand on the sidelines, and of course last week was a little bit different because I was a little bit more excited uh, about last week, uh, but I get home and I get in bed and I wake up and I feel like, I don't know, anybody else like this? You wake up and you feel like someone has slept on your head and your back and your knees all night. And then to try to get up, it feels like they're still on it. Anybody else? Is that just me? Okay, it's just me. Well, that has become my life and I am, I hate it because I really feel like I'm still in my 20s and can still do all of the things that I used to be able to do. Uh, some of you are way older than me and way better shaped than me, and you're looking at me like, why can't you get out of the bed in the mornings? And, and that's fine too. But I'm also always amazed at the stories of people who seemingly are weak and are able to do pretty tremendous things, like the, the stories of people that are lifting cars off of, of, uh, of 
kids that have been run over or, or that are stranded or under boulders or whatever. That just, it really does, like, it, it impresses me, just the body and, and God's uh, workmanship in us and how he has done more than we'll ever know. Those of you who are in the medical field, those of you who, who know a lot about medicine and how adrenaline works and things, you, you can kind of get an idea about what that looks like. But then also, what is it beyond that? Is it, is it supernatural? And I, I think it is, but is it something supernatural? Is God working through that to, to save that child or to save that person? I don't know. It's, it's just fascinating, the, the, the body and, and how, how God has created us and, and just the intricacies of every part of us and how God has made us. And the Bible specifically talks about being knit in the womb and how all that works together. That's just fascinating to me. But if you look here in um, Romans 15, 1 through 7, we'll read together here and it says this. It says, We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Will you pray with me? Lord, may your word penetrate our hearts, work in us, and change us for your glory, for your name. And may we, as we go out from here, not allow who we were to impact who you want us to be. Forgive us where we fall short and help us to draw others to you so that they may have the truth and have the spirit of you in them. In Jesus' name, amen. Of course, this is not talking about physical strength. This is talking about our, uh, our, our spiritual strength. And when I interact with people, when I lead a Bible study, or when I talk to just people on the street, if you will, you, you can get a sense of who they are just by listening to who they are and letting them talk. I have a real, bad, um, a real bad habit of wanting to talk all the time. Kind of fits my job. But I have a, a really a, kind of a bad habit of, of doing more talking than listening or wanting my opinion to be put out there instead of listening to other people's opinion. And I really want to work on that. I really want to try to be better at listening to people. But if I'm honest, sometimes I have my own agenda and I have to get from point A to point B and I really don't have time, I think, to invest in other people. And that's wrong. That is something that I need to work on and I'm working on so that I can hear people, hear their hearts. Uh, sometimes I hear stories of people and, and things that they've done or, or listen to uh, maybe a lifestyle choice or a mistake that they've made, and I automatically assume that's who they are forever. But God doesn't call us to stay the same and stay who, he wants, who we are now. He wants us to move forward, and he wants us to change and bend and be molded into his image, not our own image. But that's difficult, isn't it? It's hard for us to be changed at all, much less into the image of God, because we have so much that we want, so much of an agenda, so much of an opinion, so much of what we think is right. But if we're truly seeking God and truly seeking what he wants, 
he is going to change us into what he wants, and we're going to allow him to do that. That's obedience. I have three points. There's nothing on the back. I did get called out on that. And, and so a lot of you are the kind of people who are very, I have to know exactly where the blank is so I can fill it in. Um, I'm more of a freedom guy. So you don't have to be in the line. So if you want to write it upside down or backwards, that's for you to take home and do with as you please. But I do have three points, I promise. And you can write them in or not. See, freedom, right? But the, the first point is this. Selfish living prevents selfless love. Selfish living prevents selfless love. We are obligated. It is our job to help those who are weak. Okay, this is not a suggestion. This is not a if you want to kind of a thing. God gives commands and he expects his followers, those who follow him, who call him Lord, to do those things, okay? Remember last week we talked about food sacrificed to idols. We were talking about if you find out that food was sacrificed to idols, some of you are okay with eating that. But if there are people who aren't okay with that and, and are kind of against it, or they are against it, then we don't eat those sacrificed foods in front of them, okay? We can expand on this to other things as well. But it is our obligation to help those who are weak. It is our obligation to help them understand where we are coming from and what the Bible teaches. But remember this, we have to do this out of love and respect, okay? We work together also, it says, we work together to accomplish that goal, okay? Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ, sorry, let us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. And what, what that says is that we have to work together. If, if, I have, if I have something that I need done and I can't do it on my own, or if I have a neighbor who has a need and I can't help him by myself, we have other people who we need to call on to help work that, get that accomplished, Okay. Um, whatever it may be. I talked about how weak I am, right? And so if I can't lift something, I need other people to help me. It's all of us working together to accomplish the goal, okay? The cooperative program of the Southern Baptist Convention does that. I personally can't fund a missionary overseas, but I have enough people, we have enough people in our Southern Baptist churches who each give a portion of their uh, tithe, their offering that goes to help and to see other people send the gospel, or present the gospel around the world. It's us working together. One of the hardest things for me as a, as a human, as a man for sure, is asking for help. Okay? We used to have these things called maps that was made out of stuff called paper that sounded like this. And one of the coolest things I remember growing up as a kid was the day that I realized that I could fold the map without it being all wonky, you know what I'm talking about? Like it comes, it would, you would go to the convenience store and you would see the map of wherever and, and it would be folded perfect. And then you would open it up and, and get it all open and then you would think, well, how'd that fold go this way? And then finally I got to where I could fold it, right? We used to have those things. We used to, we used to have maps and I still can't read one. So God knew that and invented Google. Um, and to help me find my way. But when we had those maps, we had to go into the convenience store 
And we had to ask the guy behind the counter or the girl behind the counter, how do I get to wherever? And then they would say, well, as the crow flies, you would go this way. And I said, I don't need the crow, I need the car. So thank you for nothing. But they would say, turn left and go right and go left. And then I was always confused whenever the the guy would be go north, south, or east. Because I'm like, well, I don't even know which direction I'm pointing now. So finally I would get to my destination. And now the lady yells at me when I go past my turn and turn around. You've made a huge mistake. You know that one. Maybe I'm just the only one here. But when we have a direction that God wants us to go, when we have that realization that who we are in Christ is who he wants us to be, we can help those who need help, who are weak, who are not able to do things on their own, or who can know the scripture, who can know the word of God, who can know how to follow Christ. And we're not just talking about children, because even Jesus says you must have faith like these. He's not talking to children, he's talking to us. You ever read the scripture and you look at it and it's something that you may have read 300 times and that 301st time you read it, you go, oh, that's what it means. That's God finally allowing you to get it. It's finally allowing you, and that might be because it took you 301 times, or it might be that your life experience right now is exactly where you need to be to read that scripture to learn and understand what it means. And there are many, many people, even in this room, who are in that place in their life where they think that they are going in the right direction, and they are not relying on God's word for their hope and to teach them and to train them. And it takes someone who is a little bit more experienced in life to help guide them in that right direction. And I really want to encourage everyone in this room, students, adults, be willing to teach, be willing to help others understand the Word of God because we need it. And I stand here before you humbly asking that if you see me and I am teaching or acting in a way that is not in the best interest of God and His people, then please tell me. I'm asking you that from here. And that's a dangerous thing to ask, but I'm I'm sincere in that. I like what 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, Paul says, we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, and help the weak, but be patient with them all. Because it's for the sake of the gospel, okay? It's for the sake of the gospel. The end result is for the gospel. So if you see someone in need, if you see someone who's struggling, if you see someone who's caught up in sin, if you see somebody who's, who's living a life that's not pleasing to God, not your opinion of what they sh- how they should be pleasing God, but literally honestly not pleasing God, then it is our obligation. We are called, and Paul says urged, to help them. Okay? It is for the good of the person to know Christ. It's the, it's the process. It's not just to say, hey, you're doing wrong, do right. It's not that. It's not the, it's not the kick. It's the guiding. It's different. And we don't hit people with sticks with the gospel we guide them along and we allow them to fail because we all fail. We all fall short. Paul, in 1 Corinthians 9 and 10, he talks about his, what he does 
so that people will be saved. And I want to read a few of these passages or some of these scriptures to you because they're very familiar to some of us. But I think it bears in mind, it's, it's good to bear in mind how he approached his life and how he approached ministry. Called by God, but also as a normal person who lived his life amongst people who were lost. 1 Corinthians 10.33, Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. 1 Corinthians 9.19, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more to them, more of them. 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Philippians 2, 4 says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests, interests of others. Remember this too. There are a lot of things, and I mentioned this earlier, a lot of things that I want in my life, a lot of things I want to do, a lot of things that I feel like I need to do and get accomplished. But if you see someone in need, if you have someone who has a struggle or who's dealing with something, like I said earlier, it is our obligation to forego the things that we want to help meet that need. Okay? And I'm not talking financially, necessarily. I'm not talking about helping them move tables or helping them move their furniture. I'm not talking about that necessarily. But if you are helping them with that, keep in mind that the reason you are able to have that opportunity is so that you might win them to Christ or you might build them up or you might encourage them. That's our goal. Verse 3 says, For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. So Christ served us. He said, I am not going to take my own needs and only do my own thing. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve others so that I may see people saved. That word reproach is interesting. I had to look it up because I didn't know what it was, exactly what it meant. But it's, reproach is to show disapproval or disappointment. So it says Christ himself took the reproaches of those, took the disappointment, took the sin, and it fell on him. That comes from Psalm uh, 69, sorry, 69.9 says, The zeal of our house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. God's house. Jesus says that the house of the Lord, the zeal for the house of the Lord consumed him. There are times when I pray for the people of this church, and I feel as though I'm, it's almost like a, a passion to see God move. It's almost a, a passion to see God work in that request so that I can rejoice in that. Now, does God always answer our requests? Yes. He always answers them, doesn't he? He always answers them. Now, does he answer them the way we always want? No. But it's still our job, our obligation to pray for those requests as if God could answer them. Because he can. But when he doesn't, do not be disappointed that our prayer wasn't answered, but be looking for the way that God is going to answer it. Again, for him to get the glory. This, this idea of Jesus himself bearing the reproach, that the reproach of others, the disappointment, the being looked down on, the, the hatred, the hurt that, that people kind of put on us, remember that Jesus bore that for us. And so we can have freedom knowing that he took that for us. And that is very comforting for me. The second thing 
So the first thing that I, uh, the first thing that we learn here is selfish living prevents self, selfless love. The second thing is endurance causes us to have hope. I have a friend of mine who just moved to Florida. He's a, he was a youth minister or music and youth minister here in Oklahoma, and he moved to Florida. And he and his family moved there, and the next day or the day after, he ran an, uh, an Ironman, was in an Ironman competition. And I clapped from behind Facebook, and I said, good job, buddy. That's great. Guys like that, if you're one of those people, you are awesome, and I applaud you because that is unbelievable to be able to do that, to have that endurance, to do that training, to have that, that uh, focus of purpose, to be able to do those things. That is really great. But what we're talking about here, we have endurance because as long as we're on this earth, God calls us to endure in our faith. A lot of times we have people, and I am included in that, where I just want to quit. I just want to give up. Life is hard. We deal with things in our lives that are struggles, whether it's health or loss of loved ones or, or whatever it may be. We deal with things all the time. And it is those times, it's the crossroads of faith where we say, do I want to continue on and trust God or do I want to give up? And unfortunately for a lot of people, we give up. And it's sad because you see people who are following Christ and are living a life that is pleasing to Him and they mess up or they do something wrong and they go, you know what? I'm done. And we see it in ministry, we see it in families, we see it in the world, we see it all the time of believers who give up. And I want to encourage you this morning, maybe that's you, maybe you're someone this morning who is struggling and trying to decide, do I want to continue on in my faith or do I want to give up? And I plead with you, do not give up because we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, so many people, good people, well-intended people, and people who want to see us fail. But just remember that God is asking you to go on, to keep going. As long as you have breath, continue to serve the Lord. We talked this morning, and it's something that I did this when I was preparing for this. So the ESV is what I'm preaching from, what Michael preaches from. They have some really cool cross-references in, in, their, in the Bible. And many of you may be using different versions, and that is, that is awesome. Uh, I'm a firm believer, and if you understand it and it's the Word of God, read it. Because it will change your life if you allow it to. But what I did when I was preparing for this is I used the cross-references within the, the Bible to be able to get more of the depth of the sermon. And I did that because a lot of people will sit in the pew and think that we spend all of our time with concordances or with, uh, with other sermons or with other uh, things that we, we dig deep in. And Michael does a tremendous job of doing that. But what I wanted to do when I studied for this is I wanted to use the scriptures that were within those passages because I think it's important for us as believers to have good tools to study the Word of God. 
And if you think that you have to buy all these different things and then spend all the money that, that, you, that you have on, on this, this uh, different studies just so that you can know the Word of God, understand that what's really great about our time and our technology is that we can look at the Word and we can find little cross-references to, to give us a bigger picture of what God is trying to tell us. And I really enjoyed going through those and writing those out because it does help me to get a better idea of what God is trying to say. Even in Romans 15, 1 through 7, he has so many other scriptures that can point us to what he's trying to tell us. And Psalm 150, for example, Psalm 119, 50, this is my comfort in my affliction that your promise gives me life. Encouragement of scripture. God's word is uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. The Word of God is not here merely for something we read just to say we read it. It is here for our good. It is here for teaching others as well as teaching ourselves. And every time that I preach, every time that I give a devotion, every time that I do Sunday school or whatever it may be, I want to learn what God has for me so that when I teach others, I'm also teaching myself. And when you look at God's Word and you see that He is calling us into a deeper relationship with Him, when you look at God's Word and there's a little number or a little letter there, follow that for a little bit. Don't chase rabbits, but follow it to see what it is that He's trying to say, even in a simple seven-verse passage. What is He wanting me to know? What is He wanting me to say? So we have the obligation to follow Christ. The selfish living prevents selfish love, selfless love. Selfish living prevents selfless love. We see that endurance causes us to have hope. Keep fighting, keep going, keep moving. The third thing is we must live in harmony to glorify God. There are people on both sides of every issue. If you have four Baptists, you have five opinions. Okay? We do. We have all kinds of opinions. I want to be right. I want to be the one that gets the final point across that everyone goes, oh, got it. And if you're like me, you're that, you're that person that if you're in an argument, you, you keep fighting and keep moving until you get your point across. And then if you can grab a couple people and get the majority to, to agree with you, then you guys can move your agenda forward because the other two, they don't matter because you won. You got the majority. And that's a fight, that's a battle that happens in, in small towns and large towns and in the nation and in the world. If I can get my point across and get enough people with me to be the majority, then I'm going to be right. And that is dangerous in the church. Because what happens is, just because you're the majority doesn't mean that you're right. And you have to be careful that what you say lines up with the Word of God. And if it doesn't, don't say it. Now, how do we know that? How do we know that what we say is right? Well, continue to uh, allow the Spirit of God to direct you, direct your thoughts, direct your life, and also check your heart to make sure that it is not your agenda driving the message, but the Word of God driving the message. Don't allow your own needs and your own heart and your own desires to push you past what God intends for you. It starts with one, 
And this is why revival starts with people and not just a big event. Revival starts with one person who allows God to, to work in their lives that becomes infectious. People see that, and then they begin to see God working in their own hearts. They're convicted through the Holy Spirit, not because I told them to be convicted. And revival happens when people begin seeking God with their whole heart and asking Him to change them. And the majority, which the Christian people, the church of God, is never going to be the majority. But we are going to win because God is the leader and the head of our church through Jesus Christ. That's how we win. And it takes a big person to humbly admit when they're wrong, humbly admit when they need to change who they are. And if the majority is wrong, get out of the majority. Because just because you have the most people doesn't mean you're the most right. It's very, very true. So as we look at living in harmony with God, may the God of endurance, long-suffering, may the God of encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord, in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That whole idea of harmony in one voice, you guys have heard harmonies and what that sounds like, okay? It's just, it's great. Okay, pentatonics. You guys heard of pentatonics? Some of the stuff they do at Christmas time, it's, it's acapella. It's just their voices. And one will start singing, and then another one starts singing, and the guy goes, dum, 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 dum. And all he does the whole song, dum, 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 dum. You're like, what's he going to do with that? And then they just start breaking in and doing different things, and it works out so perfectly. That's the idea of what God wants to see in the church. He wants to see in the lives of his followers, okay? We can't know and do what we, uh, what we can't expect people who don't know Christ to live in harmony with us because we don't, they don't have the spirit of God. They don't know how to live a godly life, but we can live in harmony together so that they will see our good deeds and praise our father in heaven, right? They will see what we're doing, living in harmony, not having dissension, not doing the things that are sinful and applauding it, but doing things that honor Christ so that they will see our Father in heaven and praise our deeds and our Father and glorify Him. Salvation is not something I can force on somebody, okay? It only happens when someone is drawn by God and repents and turns to Christ. It's very important that we understand that the truth of God is the truth. And we must make sure that others see that we are living in harmony and unity so that with one voice we can glorify God. Hospitality is something that many of you are good at. And many of you want to have nothing to do with. It's very difficult sometimes for me to welcome someone into my home. 
It's very difficult sometimes for me to uh, get, the, um, get my um, excitement up to see people and welcome them in and make them feel welcome and things. But that's something that God has called me to do. When I, uh, one thing that I, I think that I, I do pretty well, maybe I'm annoying more than anything, is that I want people when they come into the youth room to feel as though they belong. I feel like I do that okay. But then... If I'm not careful, I will say or do something that people go, you know. But God's working on that with me, okay? He, he gave me children so that I could um, be humbled in that, right? The eye roll is real um, sometimes. So I just don't look at them <laughs> when I know I'm saying something wrong. But God calls us to hospitality. God calls us to, to invite people in. It, it's uh, kindness. It's a, it's a way to, to make people feel warm and accepted, especially walking into a church like this for the first time. They don't know really where to sit, where to go. They go to our youth room, and they don't know really who to hang out with, or they don't know who, who they're supposed to sit with. It's just this intimidation. Some people just don't come. But if you have the opportunity, make sure that what you're doing is making someone feel welcome, make them feel warm. It is a fruit of the Spirit. It's kindness. We learned about that this summer. So as we welcome others, it gives us an opportunity to share the, the gospel with them. Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Remember that God welcomed you when, he, when you became, when he became your Lord and your Savior. And just as he welcomed you, you too can welcome others. So as we... As we finish this time together this morning, I just want to invite you to think about a few things. Do you, are you willing to live selflessly? Are you willing to have the endurance that is necessary to make it to the end so others may know Christ? Are you willing to live in harmony Put your opinion and your needs and your desires, uh, desires aside to live in unity and harmony. All those things brought together to bring glory to God. Because people need to see that we love each other. That we want to see people saved. That we want the lost to know Christ. We have to act in a way that brings glory to God. Now, the only way we do that is through the Holy Spirit. The only way we do that is if we have trusted Christ as our Savior. So if you would bow your heads with me. I want to lead us into a time of invitation. I want to lead us into a time of response. My main focus today was to lead us all through God's Word into a closer relationship with Him. But in so doing, I've learned that I have things that I need to work on. I have not arrived. I have not made it yet. And I realize that through God's Word that when I do arrive and when I do make it, I'll be in heaven in glory. And even though there are times when I want to quit, I fall back on the calling that God has placed on my life. And he said, keep going. Keep going. Keep pushing. Keep making sure that you are living a life that is pleasing to me.
And so maybe this morning you have never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. We're going to have an opportunity to do that this morning. You're going to have an opportunity to come forward. You can talk to myself, uh, to me. You can talk to uh, other adults that are in the room. Maybe you have a relationship with a Sunday school teacher or, or someone that you're here visiting with, and you'd like to talk to them about what it means to be a follower of Christ. I'm going to be here at the front. I would love to be able to talk to you about that. Maybe you're here and maybe you're that other person that's struggling and God, God is calling you to keep going, but you just want to quit. There's an opportunity here at the altar to pray. You can come and speak to me about that as well. I can pray for you. Others will pray for you as well. I don't know where you are in, in your walk with Christ. Some of you I do, but honestly, you can tell me anything you want, but you can't lie to God because he knows. And so if you would, please stand with me this morning as our musicians come. We're going to lead you in a time of invitation. Like I said, there's no pressure here. You can be in your seat and you can talk to God. Um, he is there and willing and waiting for you to speak to him. It's not something that is difficult. Maybe you haven't spoken to God in a while. Maybe you are, are worried about what he might say to you. Well, he's not going to be happy. Remember this. God is not up in heaven waiting for you to mess up so he can strike you down. He is lovingly walking beside you, waiting for you to trust him. And maybe he's become your Lord. Maybe he's been your Savior. Maybe you prayed a long time ago. But maybe that was the last time that you spent with him. Then maybe today is the day that you reconnect. You recommit. You give him another shot because he wants to spend time with you because he loves you. He loves you. So, Father, I thank you for this time that I have had to be able to open your word and teach what you're teaching me. I am not by any means perfect. I'm not by any means done with everything that you need to teach me. But Lord, I pray, God, for those who are here this morning who need you. May they be so bold as to give their life to you. And maybe if there are people here who need to trust you, need to recommit, need to confess their sins before you, maybe, may they do that as well. Lord, I, I ask humbly for your grace in their lives. Allow them, Father, a new start if they need it. In Jesus' name.